thirsty? You've come to the right place to wet your whistle. It's the Liquid Lifestyle with Ryan McGarrian, a full hour of liquid refreshment. Now, here's Ryan. And a very wonderful Saturday afternoon to you, my very thirsty listener. Uh, and if the sound of my voice is tickling your ears this afternoon, you know that it's time for another shift here with us at the Liquid Lifestyle on the Radio Northwest Network. And as always, I am your host and on-air bartender, Ryan McGarrian. And if you're joining us here for the first time, this little show of mine is built to impregnate you with all things liquid and delicious, uh, information-wise, with a leaning, a special leaning towards what we'll call Potent potables, specifically spirits, cocktails, beers, and wines, with occasional forays into coffee and tea, along with the fine folks and joints that serve them up, be them right here in P-Town or parts far, far beyond. And uh, speaking of parts beyond, not so far, far today, the uh, mobile studio finds itself in the heart of the ATL, Atlanta, Georgia, man, and I don't know. Uh, if you've had a chance to get out here, but this is one heck of a fun city. Uh, you know, we got those uh, non-stops on Delta every morning. It's only four hours. You get bored. You jump down to the ATL. You tear it up. And, uh, you know, I'm really fortunate to have the opportunity to uh, have a conversation today with uh, one of uh, Atlanta's most uh, not only one of their best bartenders, but one of their most important bartenders. Uh, this fella has really kind of been uh, a part of the Atlanta craft cocktail scene from front to back. And he's opening a super sweet new bar restaurant here uh, in what's called the Krog Street Market, which is this awesome new like complex of deliciousness. And uh, we're going to talk uh, with uh, my man Greg Best. Uh, and we're going to talk all about this stuff and also get a little, uh, we're going to go deep into the Atlanta bar scene and its backstory. So without further ado, Mr. Best, how the heavens are you today, man? I'm great. How are you, my friend? It's a long time. It's always a pleasure to see you. It has been a long time, man. And uh, I think the last time we saw each other, it was over at uh, Holman and Finch Public House, which uh, you really made your bones over there, man. I mean, I, I remember before I met you just hearing all about the great work you did there. And then we had that little guest bartending gig together. And uh, man, I mean, you have always... What I've always enjoyed about you is like, you know, your, your stuff's confident. I mean, it's really complex, but it's not overthought, and everything you do is delicious, so good on you, man. Thank but you. Thank you. It's very kind words. Oh, well, you uh, you absolutely have earned those, and you've probably worked very hard to earn those hard work, those, those nice words. But let's talk Ticonderoga Club, your new, I mean, we're sitting in here today, man, yeah. this brand new what spot. What do you think? You like dude, it? it's sick, dude. I mean, you know, I came in last night and looked around, took, you know, boatloads of pictures. Uh, I think people listening to the show know how much uh, the environment of a bar, the room itself, is so captivating and important to me. You've obviously done uh, a great job curating uh, a special environment, but uh, why don't we, we just share the backstory of this? What the heck is the Ticonderoga Club? (laughs) It's a good question. Well, uh, it's kind of a a really amazing amalgam of a couple of different perspectives. I have four other partners. Uh, I believe in the whole strength and numbers game. Uh, and we set out about two years ago to build Ticonderoga Club. Uh, one of the few things that we had early on was actually the name. We knew it was going to be called Ticonderoga Club um, for a few different reasons, and we can get into that in a minute. But uh, w- our whole goal was to create a, a really amazing tavern, a modern tavern, where, uh, of course, cocktails uh, are, a par- are a thread in the needle, as is really fantastic food. Um, 
you know, we, we feel like the tavern needs to be taken back from the idea of just, you know, uh, fryer baskets full of frozen food, you know, going into the deep fry and, and cheap draft beers. You know, there's nothing wrong with either of those things. But, uh, you know, the tavern historically was a great spot for a neighborhood to come together and, and break bread and, and, you know, think cheers kind of deal. So Ticonderoga Club was, was meant to be that from the start. And the name Ticonderoga... Uh, if you if you if you buy into the ridiculous mythological backstory that we've created for the spot, um, because that's a big part of having a bar is what is the story of the bar, and we went we literally went back 249 years and built a story about the bar, um, and that it was founded pre-colonial days, uh, the the Ticonderoga Club as it were its manifestation somewhere up in the north you know uh, in the wilderness, uh, and it kind of gleamed in and out from true history about Fort Ticonderoga, the guns of Ticonderoga being used to scare the Brits out of Boston. And um, and there's a great etymology there. You know, the word Ticonderoga is, is so consonant heavy. It's so angular. You know, it's one of those hefty words that once you get it down, rolls off the tongue really well. It's fun, right? Ticonderoga. Yeah, it totally Ticonderoga. is fun, man. I had to like look uh, once I uh, saw the name. I had to read it a few times just to make sure I could say it right. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, it just it does. It just evokes uh, the colonial era. And I love how you talked about the tavern. I mean, I think in American context today, we just think of the tavern as like you don't, you know, just like Moe's Tavern, you know, from yeah, from sure. the Simpsons. Yeah, but yeah. It, which is kind of a, an evolution of the original tavern because as I read it, you know, back in the 16 and 1700s in early early colonial America, I mean that. That's where things got done, man. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's where the town meetings were held. That's where the drinking was done. That's where People the Declaration of Independence was written. Exactly. I mean, so I love that you're kind of taking taking uh, the tavern back to its uh, its place in uh, in American history. But uh, so let's talk a little bit about the design of this bad boy, man. Like I was going, you know, I was going ape last night uh, about all the little details, the color, the textures. Uh, was that you, or was it one, kind of a total collaboration? It's a total. Collaboration. Collaboration. So this whole thing, you know, came from the perspectives of myself and my four partners. One of my partners, of course, is a, a chef, kind of a culinary creative. Uh, another, she deals wholly with flow of an environment and kind of feng shui, as it were. She was also a partner of mine at Holman and Finch. Uh, she, you know, she understands kind of the the throbbing gristle of an active bar. You know, dude, did you just <laughs> say throbbing gristle? Well, you got a reference bands on the radio right <laughs> oh my goodness uh i have another uh partner paul calvert who may sit down with us at some point um uh he's walking through here as well he's he like me comes from the beverage side of things but he was a, a school teacher in the boston public school system uh for a few years and our last partner uh bart sasso is a, is a marketing design guy so all of us came together and we all wanted to draw from our own kind of learned experiences of what defines a tavern to us and we kind of created a tapestry from all those different perspectives uh, and then gave it some polish you know with the with the help of a, a really great architecture and design firm to make sure that we weren't just like clashing ideas together and kind of a juxtapositional way and I think uh, this is what we got and we we love it we literally love it one part naval history one part you know kind of colonial cabin one part tiki bar I mean there's a little bit of everything in here but it works you know it's warm and and we wanted it to be warm and homey it feels warm and homely home not homely homey <laughs> uh and uh, yeah I mean like I 
I, now that you say those things, like I see the tiki bar in here. I see the kind of naval influence. There's just so much of it. And you know what? Uh, it's pretty incredible that you guys kind of threaded the needle because you could just get sideways with that many with that many ideas, but yeah. you, you just the didn't. The key is subtlety. You know, it's, it's, you can have those details, but they have to be hidden behind something kind of more obtuse, in, in my experience. I mean, that's, that's how you curate an environment that won't just be a hot topic, you know, because so many of the bars that are put together now, they're, they're beautiful and they're amazing, but they're also very contextually relevant. And, you know, our, our industry moves faster than any other industry. So, you know, for us, we didn't want to build this iconic tavern that in a year and a half would look outdated and in the mode of, you know, late 2015, <laughs> Q3 2015. So we just tried to work with really kind of big, uh, you know, clunky pieces that we could fill in behind and around all these little details and these little nuances. For sure, man. And. Dude, how about those bathrooms, man? I mean, I am a wallpaper. Uh, I'll just say I'm a fan of wallpaper. And uh, I tell you what, I rolled in there, man, that bright red wallpaper and that little uh, slightly irreverent kind of situation on the front of the door. That might be the best bathroom in the beverage space, man. Well done. Was anybody in particular uh, in, uh, responsible for the bathroom? Yeah, mostly that's my partner, Reagan. She, uh, she wanted, we knew we wanted the bathroom to be kind of, uh, a mashup of Dr. Jacoby from Twin Peaks, you know, what we would imagine his bathroom to look like, and also uh, Aunt Gladys's house. So we just kind of crammed those together and made, we, we feel like the bathroom is our wildly tiki-esque, you know, room in the house, which is really fun and unexpected. You go from these muted colors, you know, in the tavern floor and open that door and you're like, where am I? Uh, but that was definitely, you know, Reagan, the, the whole casted, you know, uh, trout toilet paper Dude, dispenser. It's, it's so <laughs> sick, man. Uh, more about this incredible bathroom and uh, Greg Best it's and his sick new, to leave on. Yeah, <laughs> sick new bar Ticonderoga Club here in Atlanta, Georgia, back in a moment. And welcome back to The Liquid Lifestyle here with us at the Radio Northwest Network, where the mobile studio uh, is in the ATL. We're in Atlanta with my man Greg Best, sick bartender, proprietor of the new Ticonderoga Club here in the Krog Street market. And, uh, you know, in the last segment, we were winding down there and talking about that epic bathroom. Man, I could just sit in there with one of your fat, like, you know, sherry rum, you know, tonic coffee situations and, uh, and just relax though. I, I don't think anybody would none. I don't think anybody really appreciate that, but, uh, <laughs> uh, getting back to some other features of design, man, there's just so many tiny details. I love the, uh, I love the font. I love the, uh, the, the, the mark, the logo, where'd that come from? Uh, that's uh, my, my partner, Bart Sasso, who, uh, previous to our partnership together, uh, had a, a design, an Atlanta-based design company called Esperanza ATL. Um, and he's a, he's a you know, junkie for font and typography and all things kind of branding. Uh, and so he actually hand-drew um, uh, the font for our actual word mark for Ticonderoga Club and the and the TC, uh, but yeah, that that is that that's all him. You know, again, uh, he brought uh, to the the group a few different options, and we all had you know previous pre-existing 
kind of ideas and, and, and preferences. And what we ultimately kind of fell back on was in the early days, uh, you know, Revolutionary War era, you would see these, you know, each state or each, or sometimes each city would have its own flag, right? And these flags were literally hand-stitched and people would write the stitching on there, like, uh, you know, don't tread on me, so to speak, a very popular, famous one. But those things were hand-stitched, so there was a certain margin of error that existed in them that made them more human than a perfectly, you know, print execute or machine executed print. So uh, we wanted to kind of, we wanted to incorporate some of that human error in uh, in the design um, because we, we think it, it helps people be more comfortable immediately um, when you can see that something was generated by a, another human. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, man. I mean, perfection's exciting to approach, but in the end, I think we all kind of prefer a little texture. I mean, whether it's a room or whether it's someone, a, you know, we're attracted to. I know I like girls with fun little noses and stuff like that, so. <laughs> totally. uh, yeah, oh, where did that come from? But uh, anyway, so one of my favorite. I'm fa- also a nose guy. I can, I can relate. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The noses are important, man. So one of my favorite things is the little legs, the little bottoms of people. It's hard to describe, but uh, if you walk into the bar. And oh, the bar pants. The bar pants. Tell me about the bar pants. <laughs> Pants, dude. <laughs> the bar pants. Yeah, sure. So uh, we were sitting down and, and we, we had already kind of all agreed what we wanted the bar top to look like. And we were all really excited about that. But we were kind of hemming and hawing about what the front of the bar was going to be. And what, you know, we knew there'd be tavern tables in proximity to the bar that if you were seated at, you'd kind of get not a view of the bar top, but more of the bar front. And so we were trying to figure out what would what would happen there, what would make it kind of, what would be the design pop there without over-engineering something. And, the, and of all people, <clears throat> the chef, David Bees, uh, came to a meeting one day and said, guys, I think I've got an idea for the bar front. And he showed us this mock-up that he had made on his laptop at home, which was incredibly primary. It was hilarious. It looked like a child drew, you know, something on a, on a digital picture. But he essentially created the idea of bar pants. And so on the front of our bar, wrapping the complete uh, bar itself, uh, we had a local sign painter come in, and he, he painted the whole thing, kind of a, 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 a canary mustard yellow, and then painted cartoonish legs all around the front and they're all in kind of different eras of military dress and kind of dress uniform kind of thing and of course we threw one pair of legs with a bare ass on there but uh naturally yeah naturally you know you got it everything we've done here we've tried to impregnate one little bit of chaos. So everything that we've done, whether it's the the way the booths are designed, which we're sitting at right now, see how there's just this gap here? Like people would think, okay, I'm gonna go sit at this this banquette and you know, you've got your your three walls of plush cushion. Well we said, okay, take one of the laws and like walls and like saw you know straight down the middle of it and put a wood panel there so it you feel like you're almost like in a ship's bulkhead but then you also have the cushions it's just a little chaos it's a little bit of irreverence um and and we we did that with just about everything in here i I mean you've seen the duck phone 
<laughs> the duck phone is great, man. They got this like, you know, mallard phone sitting there. And uh, once again, we're sitting here chatting with Greg Best, proprietor of the Ticonderoga Club here in Atlanta, Georgia. And, uh, you know, I, I want to actually kind of turn the page a little bit. Actually, uh, obviously, we want to talk about the food and drink, but I want to get your backstory for everybody because you have had a spectacular impact, not only on the culture of Atlanta's bar scene, but on uh, in, in, throughout the country, man. I mean, we've known each other for quite some time. You've influenced a lot of people. Where'd you get your start, man? Uh, I got my start um, slinging drinks in Las Vegas, actually, at Delmonico Steakhouse in the Venetian. It was a, a restaurant of Emerald Lagasse's. Um, my brother kind of tricked me into coming to work for the restaurant. Um, most of my siblings are restaurateurs. Uh, I thought they were all crazy. I was going to be in, ironically enough, radio. Um, and, and, and you would have killed it, man. <laughs> Uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm holding it for my for my retirement now. Um, but, you know, I, I, I found myself working in the kitchen and working in the restaurant. And I thought, hey, this isn't so bad. And then I got behind the bar and I realized oh, this is exactly what I want to do with my life. Interact with people. You know, you can geek out on the history of all the spirits and the cocktail production. Uh, and so I got my start like any bartender, just, you know, making normal drinks of the era like apple martinis and you know day glow blue things and and uh I, I met a gentleman out there who i'm sure you know very well uh, actually i know you know him francesco lafranconi uh and we had a conversation that led to more conversations and uh, i just kind of kept pushing myself because i was really into the drink thing and we relocated here to atlanta i fell in love with the city it was literally a blank canvas as far as cocktails were concerned and when what was the what year did you move here again that was 2001 okay uh and, and you know with the exception of the, the higher end restaurants that had maybe a manhattan on their menu if you were lucky there really just wasn't cocktail culture in any way, in any capacity, bad or good. Uh, and so I, I decided, well, let's see if we can change that. And I went to work at a restaurant uh, called Restaurant Eugene, a fine dining restaurant. I had a six-seat bar. Uh, and from that six-seat bar, uh, I was able to, to really do some fun stuff. I, I worked with a really gifted chef. And we, um, we, we started getting noticed, and it just pushed me and pushed me. And that's how it started. <laughs> man, I remember popping in there and uh, reading about Restaurant Eugene. And, uh, man, it's really cool. I love getting the backstories from cats like you, man. Uh, we got to jump out. Once again, you're li- listening to The Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network. And we're back in a flash. And welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network, where we are on the road in the ATL, Atlanta, Georgia. Chatting with Gregory Best of the Ticonderoga Club, formerly of Holman and Finch Public House. And uh, uh, before we jump back into your origin story, uh, man, it seems like every time I get to sit down with somebody like you, uh, I get a new cool drink name out of the conversation, man. I was just thinking, you know, you threw out a little bit of chaos. I'm so (laughs) creating. Well, it's yours first if you want to use it, man. But uh, no, no, no. That's the best part about this business is we inspire each other. And when you're receptive to that, I think it lives far beyond what it would have been if if you took it alone. So take it. Take it and run with it. (laughs) 
Well, here's how that's going to go down. I'm going to take a look at all the, at your canon of work, and I'm going to try to see what a, a, a Gregory Best-inspired cocktail by Ryan McGarrion might look like, and <laughs> that might take a little bit of time. So it's going to go in the back. Uh, but anyway, you were talking about, so you got to Restaurant Eugene. This place, I mean, this was like James Beard Award winning. You got your six-seat bar. Uh, from there, uh, I think, what was next? Uh, well, it, what we were doing at the bar quickly became so attractive and such a big deal uh, that we ran out of room, frankly. I mean, it was a six-seat bar. So uh, I went into partnership with uh, the, the husband and wife team uh, that I was working for at Restaurant Eugene, Linton and Gina Hopkins, um, and I brought in two uh, of my closest friends who we had all previously worked for years and years uh, for Emerald Lagasse, as I mentioned, together. Um, and we all came together, five of us, and we opened Holman and Finch Public House. And that was meant to be kind of the, the institution for, you know, for cocktails as we, as we saw them. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, fast forward three years into Holman and Finch, and we were on the James Beard long list for uh, Outstanding Bar Program. And then uh, our fourth year, we were actually, or maybe it was our fifth year, we were finalists for that. Uh, we didn't take it, but it was okay, because just getting on that list is amazing. <laughs> One thing I like to say with regards to awards, whether it's the Oscars, the James Beard Awards, is if you are a finalist, you've won. Uh, the person who walks away with the trophy, they were just considered the most relevant. And, uh, yeah, you know, well, I, mean, I certainly couldn't, like, I couldn't be upset about the aviary taking outstanding how bar could program. you I mean, excellent come on you know it was amazing so just to be there at that at that moment with those people uh in that room you know it really kind of it made me realize there there is a there's a beauty and an elegance to the cocktail culture that is 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 rapidly running faster than any of us can catch uh and and there was a moment there where I was like, this would be amazing to win this award, but also I think I've lost sight of why I love making drinks, and that is just talking to the people at the bar. And so, uh, you know, through the conversations with my partners, I, we've basically said, okay, let's just focus like we always have focused. And if the awards are meant to come, they'll come, and that'll be awesome. Um, but let's let's look at let's look at how our next evolution of the cocktail world is, uh, and that is this place, Ticonderoga Club. And speaking of Ticonderoga Club, man, uh, for me, I want to just dive into you know the centerpiece for you, which is of course going to be the drinks. But you've curated a sick list of wine and beer and whatnot. And before we get into the drinks, I always like to ask folks like you, you know, what you know, like to me, in a lot of ways, you know, cocktails, you know, this is just liquid cooking, and we're kind of liquid chefs. I know some people hate that term, but if if you were to just kind of describe your own style and the types of drinks that you make what what does that look like what is a what is a greg best drink uh, i think that's a tough question to answer because it's really it's you know it's so situationally and contextually you know kind of uh influenced uh, for me i would say my underlying philosophy and i know uh, my partner paul uh, who we do the, the drinks uh, together for Ticonderoga. We both really believe in the idea of um, simplicity being being the understated, like, you know, uh, bull in the china closet. So, you know, f fewer ingredients, you hear that a lot, um, but it's not, it's not about fewer ingredients making the drink. It's about fewer ingredients that are really, really presenting themselves 
um, and, and, and working with the other ingredients in the drink uh, to, to create this explosive dynamic complexity. You know, I think that for us, the key is complexity with, the f- with a fewer number of ingredients means we're working harder and thinking more uh, to try to draw more out of those few ingredients. And with less ingredients, I mean, there's just less places to hide, frankly. I mean, yeah. the, the less you have, the same with cooking. If you just, you know, if you've got to like just, that means you've got to nail the execution. You have to have absolute command of everything that's going into that drink. So uh, what are a few of your favorite, uh, you know, I mean, that's a that's a pretty, it's pretty succinct. I think, what is there, eight to ten drinks on that menu, Greg? Yep, yep, sure. Yeah, the, the one, the, the area that we really had fun with was, you know, we wanted to get back to that culture of a, of a house drink, you know, all of the Pim's Cup. And there was a time when every restaurant, every tavern you went into, they had their drink, the one drink of the house. So we created the Ticonderoga Cup, which was, that was, are, I think that of all the exercises and all the drinks we put together, that was the most fun. We went through so many iterations. Like we wanted it to speak to the place. We wanted it to speak to our ethos. And we wanted it to be something that we would want to drink five years from now. Still with like a, a craving, I want to crush this drink right now kind of uh, obsessive uh, obsessiveness uh, and so it's a mixture really in the vein of like a, an old style julep uh, we're doing a pineapple syrup and a little fresh citrus and, and rum and brandy and it's just man it's lights out and that was a, a lot of fun pineapple syrup so syrups you know for a lot of our listeners you know they, 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 they sound simple and then they get really complicated pretty quick I mean a pineapple syrup that's just I don't see that very often I see pineapple juice uh, is that a pretty simple thing to make if, uh, if if some of our listeners just wanted to knock out a pineapple syrup to make a margarita or a, a gimlet or whatnot with it yeah, you know, the, we, the, our method is a pretty simple one. Hi, Early. <laughs> uh, our, our pineapple syrup is a pretty simple method. We basically take a, a, a split base of uh, demerara and white sugar, uh, and we do a, a classic one-to-one ratio on that. And we, we get it nice and warm and, and, and just under simmering, and then we cube uh, a cord peeled a fresh pineapple um, and throw that in there, and we cook it down until the liquid has been reduced by about a quarter uh, and it really kind of starts to break down that pineapple and express itself and then we pull the pineapple out we crush it we fold that juice back into the syrup and when we also put uh, about a cup of fresh pineapple juice into the syrup again cook it down just till we get the right viscosity where that's the only kind of troublesome part you know depending on the water you're using and the the temperature at which you're doing it, um, but you want something that'll very slowly run off the back end of your bar spoon, uh, and then you strain it off, and that's it. That's that's pretty much it. It's, so it's not the hardest syrup, but it does take some time. Well, one of my favorite things about what you just said is I love that split of demerara and uh, and white sugar, but I actually hadn't heard that before, and, and, and it just makes me think about the detail that I see in your cocktail menus and, and your approach and just listening to you talk today, just like taking it to that. I don't think people realize how far bartenders are taking things these days, and I think that's a, a great little window into into that. Dude, tell us about that one with the coffee and the tonic. That looks dynamite. I've been seeing coffee and tonic around the world. I was in Australia. That seems to be a thing. They're doing some kind of coffee liqueur and tonic and gin and other things. Tell me about this coffee tonic drink. Sure. <clears throat> well, the, the thing, I mean, as you said, the thing about uh, coffee and, and tonic is that 
it is something that's enjoyed around the world and it's really refreshing <clears throat> and if you do it right you get all of the crazy complexity and back palate weight of a really banging espresso or, or a cup of coffee but then the tonic really cleans it up and it really shuffles it off the palate so you you're left with a drink that has a, a fairly uh, short and, and very crisp finish so we wanted to take that characteristic and of course introduce uh, alcohol so you know to me, whenever I think of coffee, I, the first thing I think is brandy because you know, going back to like the classic Kiyokis and whatnot, I mean, brandy and coffee are fantastic together. And, uh, and, then, and then you think of uh, what is inher- inherent in coffee as well as tonic um, that, that will be used to fuse them. And it's that kind of subtle herbaceousness, you know. So uh, then you're talking about herbal liqueurs. And, and so we wanted a long drink that was incredibly refreshing. We knew it was going to have coffee and tonic in it. And then it was just plugging in the right spirits to round that out. You know? And it was, it, was a, a, it was a really fun exercise. But, we, you know, I'm a big believer in the long drink. Dude, you, there's very few people who make me want to go back behind the bar and start doing development uh, than, than <laughs> Greg Best listening to you talk. But we got to jump out. Last segment coming at you in just a few minutes. Welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle on the Radio Northwest Network, where we once again are kicking it in the ATL. We're in Atlanta, Georgia. We're hanging out with my man Greg Best, sick bartender, proprietor of the Ticonderoga Club here in Atlanta, Georgia, in the Krog Street Market, which is actually one of the coolest, like, collective uh, uh, concepts that I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of wrapped up on your drinks last segment. I actually would like to kind of get your thoughts on this market you've become a part of because it's something I'm seeing in a lot of cities. And I know there's one coming into Portland that uh, our friend Mike Thielen's uh, curating with, uh, you know, with John Gorham's going to have a concept mm-hmm. there. There's a barista there. That's exactly what this is. It's just, just like, it's this Disneyland of deliciousness. Uh, tell us about this Krog Street Market. Yeah, it's really fun. It's it's basically like a little, uh, you know, uh, local business food hall. And so all the operators, with the exception of this amazing ice cream joint, but she's from just over in North Carolina, so she's not too far away. Um, but <clears throat> with the exception of the ice cream joint, every operator here in the Crog Street Market is a, is a local restaurateur. And we've got everything from a great Tex-Mex joint down in the other end of the building. Uh, we've got a cool um, kind of celebratory craft beer hall uh, thing going on with Hop City. They also have a retail store, which is cool. You can drink something. If you love it, you can buy it and take it home. We've got Little Tart Pastry Shop, which is literally, uh, I think, the destination for pastry in the country. I have never, including France, with... I've never had a better croissant in my life. Uh, Sarah O'Brien is, I think, one of the most talented and as yet undiscovered uh, people in, in the food world. 
Dude, um, I tell you what, I, I, after I walk out of here, man, we might have to just go take a lap around. I can already feel my man boobs getting bigger, yes. dude. It's gonna, I can't. <laughs> and, and there's some barbecue like right yeah, across the way got, from you. We've got barbecue here. We've got an amazing little Szechuan place. Uh, we've got uh, Fred's Meat and Bread, which is like an amazing burger and cheesesteak joint from Todd Ginsburg. He's a celebrated Atlanta chef. Uh, he's got Yala, which is all amazing, like shawarma and. and uh, hummus and I mean we've we, we've literally got everything and then we've got great anchor restaurants like the Luminary that does kind of a French bistro we've got an Isakaya in here named Kraft they do great cocktails and amazing sushi uh, we've also got um, the Cockantrice which is this amazing kind of meat centric butcher slash uh, you know like celebration of meat house <laughs> and they've got a great cocktail program so there's a lot of fun folks in here that we can all play off of each other with and what a great place to kind of like you know you got a, a little break in your shift a little lull just get out there crush some q crush yeah. some tarts yeah great except for i have to you know go on a, a five mile longer run so that i can maintain my my uh girlish figure uh, dude you're looking good man and you know why don't we segue right there we haven't we don't always get to talk about how how you look great man how have you maintained your fitness over the years with all the stuff that you've been doing you know i think at one point in this business you realize that you can either walk the path that will that will ultimately uh, cover you with alcohol bloated rosacea and you know and and make you a look 15 years older than you are or you have to just like bite the bullet and admit that you've got to take care of yourself and that means like not eating uh, giant fat laden meals after you know 9 p.m. and and actually exercising regularly you know I, I run five times a week not for any great length uh, but just to make sure that I'm, you know, that I'm running. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it, I'm careful about what I eat and I try not to, I love drinking, but I've, I've learned, we had this conversation last time you're in town, actually, you learn like, Hey, I'm okay with not getting hammered. I'm okay with like two drinks and then moving on. And it feels good. So much better in the morning, you know? Dude, there's nothing better than feeling crisp in the morning, and you I mean, you realize that after doing this industry for a while, and yeah. you know, it's, it's just a, a good, clean wake-up is just a thing of beauty. Uh, we're coming to the end of our show, Greg. How about a few favorites uh, in the greater Atlanta food and drink scene, places you like? We might find you uh, on an off night. Absolutely. Uh, for wine and overall service, there's a place called Miller Union on the west side. It's one of my favorite restaurants in the city. Uh, in Decatur, which is basically an Atlanta suburb, uh, but it's just outside of the city limits. It's this really great epicenter of food and drink, but there's a restaurant there called Cakes and Ale that does absolutely lights out food. Another restaurant called Kimball House. They've been on the beard long list for their amazing bar program. Their cocktails are are fantastic um i mean god there's just so many it's uh you've got to you've got to go to manuals tavern um because it is the iconic tavern of atlanta yesteryear um draft beers and simple food but really good times dude i gotta jump in man we are at the end of our show man uh, i knew this was gonna to happen <laughs> i knew this was gonna be an outstanding chat once again we've been hanging with greg best the proprietor of the ticonderoga club here in atlanta georgia opening actually open last night but i think you're gonna get hammered here tonight not in the drinking way but in the busy way and uh, we wish you all the best to you my listener uh, i'll leave you with my words uh, always drink your best